I'm looking with Peter Jackson at all the footage that was never used. We're all hanging out, and there's a lot of fun, a lot of humor, and you're not like the one that came out. We never saw that footage, you know, when uh, Michael Lindsay Hogg put his film together, which he's in quite a lot too. They just stuck to those seconds of a argument, you know. There was, but there was a lot of joy, and I think Peter will show that. We sat around with his iPad for uh, two hours, and he was excited, I was excited, and he was uh, showing me bits because he felt similar to me that the other version was a bit down. There was no need for it to be down. Uh, Michael Lenzio took one point of view, little moments, and built the whole thing around that. So it was, uh, this one I think will be more expressive and more like it we were. My name's Eric Taros. I'm Richard Buskin. The Beatles. Naked. I just wish I had yesterday's voice for today's backing. I was swinging yesterday. Voice-wise, that is. I've just gone over the top. Don't let me down. We're off again. So this is the episode where they tell it like it is. Right. I mean, it gets off to an absolute flying start. You know, 
I thought was, I was just amazed. We've heard the audio and we've seen bits of the video before, but the stunner is when the camera lingers on Paul's face when they're having this discussion, right? And it, it's kind of is George coming back? Well, not is only it is, the end of the group? Not only is George is George coming back, is John coming? Yeah, that's right. It's just two of them. Then they said. Then there were two. There's uh, that is going to be arguably the moment to beat in the rest of the footage. In other words, that is so raw and oh, scary. I it's mean, actually frightening. Yeah, the look on his face, right, Paul? You know, he's kind of okay, and he's not being too downbeat. But then when it's it's like the realization hits him. I don't know. I can't remember if someone says something about them possibly not coming back, or it could be the end of the group. But he, it's like he suddenly hits a brick wall, and he looks emotional, it's almost like could he burst into tears here almost he's kind of twitching and he's thinking you can see he's really contemplating well, what vibrant. this means he's vibrating he's sucking his thumb if you yeah. look very carefully he is his thumb the tip of his thumb is in his mouth uh, yes he's thinking he's he looks like somebody who's just been told uh, or, or is you know is dealing with the death of a parent it's a death yes it's the look of somebody in Oh no, this is real now. You know, we've been talking about a divorce and blah blah blah. But now it's here, and maybe it's already happened. Yeah, you know, and and I think that that's that's what he's dealing with there. That is an amazing moment. I, I don't think, um, you know, anything is going to top that as far as tension, considering we know how the story comes out. There isn't like a camera trained on each of them, is there? Right? Not that we know of. And that camera stays on him. So Michael Lindsay Hogg or the cameraman. Someone caught that, right? They got what was going on in that moment. <laughs> Amazing. We've had to wait over 50 years to see it, but the poignancy of it. I is... can see it's so powerful. In some ways, if Michael Lindsay Hogg had really wanted to make this about them breaking up, he would have used that shot. Because I did see, I know that we had, uh, and we're jumping around because processing this. Yeah. One of the interesting things for us doing this particular series of shows is unlike everything else we've done, zero time to analyze, except in the moment. Yes. We're doing it in real time, as they were making this film in real time, and it's all over the place. Right. So are we in this show, all yeah. over the place, trying to jump around. I know we've both kept extensive, extensive notes, um, and you know that's all you're doing is you're watching and writing and watching and Absolutely. writing. Absolutely. Every second, they're throwing some nuance or detail or... Oh my God! I've never heard this song. Oh, that's where that sound goes that we've had for a million years. The movie in my head just right, changed. right. I mean, that flying start that I just described segues into another massive highlight, which is the lunchtime discussion between John and Paul. You know, recorded with a hidden mic, and I love the fact that they've subtitled it. You know, left and right, the screen, John and Paul, and we get to see how you know. They were interacting, what they were saying. Fascinating stuff. It's it's something I dreamed about. I remember, we've all heard about the flower pot yeah. microphone, or yeah. at least we have in the last few years. Seems like we've known about it longer. It's the frankness of the discussion. It really reminds me of that secret tape of the business meetings that, um, you know, aren't supposed to be circulated that come up in September, October of 69. It's the same tone. So where's George? So he didn't want to hear. He said, I'll do it. 
Yeah, I'm gonna go home to record in studio rather than go in to with anybody in the record. But it's by George, it doesn't give you enough satisfaction anymore. You just the compromise you have to make to be together. It's a pestering wound. We've allowed to. And yesterday we allowed it to go even deeper, but we didn't give him any And when he is that far then, we had egos. Well, that's what I was trying to say to George. You know, when I was previous, I would have said, take it there with diddle 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 But I was trying last week to say, no, take it there. And it's me like, the point is, we both did not Joe this time. Because of the build-up to it, now he treats him a bit like that. Because he knows what we're on about. Yeah. I do I think that he's right. Yes. That's why I think we've got the problem, you know. The problem is you go one way, George, one way, and me another, you know. But I know it will apply to all of us if one day we can all be sending, like you're saying, George can be really playing. I mean, like he plays, not like, like he's going to make him play. Like <laughs> yeah, okay, because you're a friend. How you play won't be like you want it to play. And that's what we do, and that's what you do today. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you what to play. That seems to be a trouble. If you've been able to say that on the occasion, just even to say, look, I'm not going to say anything about the song because it'll be difficult. I'm going to really try now. You know, I've always done the numbers like that. Now, the only regret about the past numbers is when, because I've been so bright, I've allowed you to take it somewhere where I didn't want. Yeah. And then that my only chance was to let George take over or interest George in the yeah. If you give me any suggestions, let me reject them and think they want to like this way we're writing song. Say it was the original. I don't manage to I don't know. No, I know I know that I know you mean yeah. Because there was a period yeah. where none of us could actually uh, say anything about your arrangements. Yeah. Because you would reject it all. Yes, so. And so, George, I was just, uh, you know, like you do about me. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm going about, and a lot of the times, you're right. A lot of the times, you're saying you're always wrong. Right, well, I'll see the answer to that. Yeah, I know. Because you've got it all. Just, I'm just taking what I think. I don't think that people revolve around the whole thing. It might be. You know, like in John, it's like people have been boxed. I've been second in boxed. But not always. Not always. Really, I mean, it is much better if we can actually just do it again and say, Look, I don't want to be exactly like that, and he'll say, I'm not you, and I can't do it exactly like you do. This year, what you've been doing, and what everybody's been doing, and not only felt guilty about the way we all feel guilty about our relationship to each other, because we could do more. And look, I'm not putting any blame on you, it's something I've realised this year, because I'm my game, you know, it's a... The goals were still the same, self-preservation. I know where I like I left them, do what you want, and we all still, you know. Yeah, I know. If we do want to, I could go along with that, because the policy has kept us together. I'm just assuming he's coming back. Assuming he's coming back. If he isn't, then it's a new problem. I think we're all very old. We're all with each other. I think we're all staying together.
I noticed something that should be noted here is there's a famous interview with Yoko and John that day on CBC. Mm-hmm. And it's often uh, sort of labeled two junkies. That's right. I, I think John leaves it at one point, doesn't he, to throw up in the bathroom? He sure seems a lot more together within minutes. Yes, he so does. So maybe <laughs> he's processing the stuff really quick or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and as we go along and as we get the hell out of Twickenham, which, I mean, that's... Well, before we leave Twickenham, oh, no, I should say, more... yeah, because we have Peter Sellers drop in, and that is awkward, actually. You know, Sellers isn't joking or anything. It's pretty silent. He obviously knows what's been going down. And and then he sort of at some point says, okay, I'm getting up and going. It's all a bit awkward. It's, I think it's worse than awkward. As I say, I'm watching that and it's, I'm like, I thought the last chapter, the last <laughs> close, closing overs of, of the first chapter, Twickenham are bad. This is torture. Yes. I'm sitting there going, get out. You know, yeah. you're like yelling at the screen. Just leave, but all pa- of you. Paul can't, can he? Because when, no, when they're actually sort of breaking up the set and everything and dismantling and getting all the you know the um all the instruments out of there paul comes in one last time on his own to work on oh darling he gets the demo because they finally have the you know they've been setting it up and by the time they finished the control booth yeah they're now gonna leave but so isn't it like interesting it's like he doesn't go to abbey road to work on it he goes back to twickenham i think abbey road was a different situation when they'd go to abbey road now george martin's no longer part of the staff he's a hired consultant you know and we've already got your engineer and there just wants to knock off a demo i think uh, well and plus he's gonna knock off a demo i suppose in front of the cameras <laughs> you know it's he does, like... they don't know what the project is yeah they really don't at this point they're still talking in the you know do we even have a project you know but one thing i wanted to make note of this is a very minor detail but it jumped out at me that the ghost of 1966 keeps weaving its way through little storylines in the most subtle of ways at the beginning when Ringo's talking about, you know, we're going to tell it like it is, he's wearing the red shirt from the 66 tour, that red, like you saw it in Tokyo. Oh, is that, oh, right, yeah, I didn't realize. And then in a lot of the sessions that are coming up, you're seeing him in this pink shirt with the viney flowers all over. I'm, that is either those show, they either wore that one at um, Los Angeles in 66, Hmm. I think that was actually it. It was Los Angeles and a few other cities. That was also a 66 tour shirt underneath the suits. Interesting. So it's, and then every once in a while, something about 66 comes up. You know, Paul has the base. He goes, see, uh, see, I really trust this place. Look at this. We got the set list. Yeah. And, and John's like, you know, I, I guess it was the director. I guess it was Michael who says, what is that list? Yeah. Uh, well, that's, you know, from the shows. Yeah. John says, you know, John recognizes, you know, it's in the sort of shorthand. Yeah. Um, there's another thing. I have a running thread through my study of the Beatles, which is is there is a bit of the supernatural. There is a bit of, of stuff that um, Paul especially seems to see into the future with offhand comments. He does it in 1965 in Chicago at a press conference where he kind of says, you wait till we're old. <laughs> Everybody's going to love us when we're right. old. You just wait. Yeah. And And he says it again here. You know, they're kind of dealing with this absence of George, and he comes out with this statement, you know, when we're very old, we'll sing together again. Yeah. And and it's eerie, 
But I mean, th- this whole episode—it's every thirty seconds. Yes, yes. <laughs> you, know, you can't. It would take us three hours to really do it justice. Absolutely, I totally agree. I mean, some of the notes I made—you know, the first part, John and Paul working on Get Back, and hearing Paul actually come up with Tucson. You know, they, they had different words in there, and then he comes up with the location and connects it to the High Chaparral. Yeah, TV show they obviously are watching. Yeah, and and then and the, the thing that uh, that Jackson is doing that I I really appreciate is every once in a while when things seem to be potentially dragging, out comes the curveball. In this case, a song called "Bonding." Yeah, <laughs> what the hell I was know. That? I know. We also have "Backseat of My Car." Would you make your songs at the piano or on the guitar? Whatever I'm around, you know. Then I just sort of come in your head. Coming. Yeah, sure. Oh, in fact, I had one this morning. beautiful that is it's it really the piano work he's he's on fire again you know it's so one of the things you're going to see in this episode as as opposed to yesterday's which seems like we looked at it a month ago right uh, um, and we've got another one to come i'm I'm absolutely i feel like i'm going through this war with them that's one of the great things jackson has done here subtly yeah he has made this too long yeah for a reason yeah yeah. You're living it, you yeah. know, and, and this is one of the most effective te- techniques in any Beatles film I've ever seen. People will look back at this and say, that's the genius of this cut. You are really empathizing and living it and feeling it with them. Yeah. Uh, just how difficult this was and feeling the joy as, gee, it finally, that engine gets chugging and even George is in a good mood yes. later in this episode yes. and making great contributions and you can feel it when it kicks in it's it's really amazing one thing i had heard uh, richard and i want before i lose because it's in the early part of our discussion today yeah there was this statement i think that was made somewhere along the line where uh uh peter jackson said you won't see one frame in this film that's the same from let it be right I think he might have been wrong. Yeah, There's a couple me, of places yeah, I, I saw agree. things. You know, I agree. Which is fine. My so, favorite of which. Yeah. 
good morning, Rich. Yes, although was it exactly the same angle? No, I don't think it was and exactly that, the same. And that's the thing, angle, yeah, because yeah. we've had we had a little bit of two of us, the fast version, didn't we, yesterday? Yeah. But it was a different angle. It was, yeah, and it yeah. is a different angle, but at least yeah. it's that, because I think the angle we're used to is kind of up, up over to the left, looking down on the keyboard. Yeah. And this one was kind of a tracking shot, and it's out to the side of them. I only noticed one repeat shot in this episode. I thought I saw a repeat shot, too, but I can't remember where it was. The other one that jumped out at me is that scene where, where they now have switched over to Savile Row. And uh, they John and Yoko get out of the, the limo. Yes. That, yes. that has been used. Yeah. Multiple things. Um. I love <laughs> Magic Alex's bass rhythm guitar prototype comes into the studio and it's got a revolving neck. And they're now, not overtly, but they're definitely taking the piss about his inventions after the Apple Studio fiasco. I have some really bad news for Peter Jackson. Yeah. I was speaking to a, a psychic medium yesterday. <laughs> Magic Alex is, Alex is suing. <laughs> I'm afraid so. <laughs> now, what about there are mentions of Hamburg and Machshall? Love that. Alan Williams, we see, but oh, God, this is the one thing that's pissed me off is he's in it literally for a split second. I think he was in it longer in the trailer. Yeah. Um, and it's like, come on, you know, Peter Jackson, so knowledgeable about the Beatles, clearly. Surely he recognized, you know, Alan there, that it wasn't a member of the crew. And if he did recognise him, you'd have thought there had to be something on camera of Alan interacting with the Beatles. We'd have had Alan Williams talking with the Beatles. And I wonder, is this one of the reference points? This couldn't have been the time that he was given the rubies by George. No, that was in 73. Oh, okay. That was much later, right. Well, let's face it. There's nothing perfect. You have this epic eight-hour thing, and we've already found a couple of repeat shots. He couldn't yeah. have done that on purpose. Right. So, you know, um, it's. I just think it's such an epic thing. And, and as I say, this episode, it's hitting you every 30 seconds. You know, Paul oh, yeah. doing that, you know, walking through woman. Yes, yeah. Uh, and, and telling the story that Gordon c couldn't hit the high notes, so they, they had to kind of come back and do it again, right. which I never heard that story. And, right. And uh, I love John mentions another Lennon-McCartney original before they go into Too Bad About Sorrows. So he's referencing that, which the first time I heard of that, I think, was through Mark Lewison about another Lennon-McCartney original. I had... Um, I, I of course I remember it from the Watching Rainbows bootleg. It was on right. that one, I think, yeah. the vinyl yeah. one. But I didn't know that that was a thing. You know that they had a book where they did their early yeah. compositions with that, right? And I read that in Mark's book, and it was just fascinating to hear that. But of course, the moment I thought of you, Eric, what was the moment I thought of you? Well, there was a very amazing moment where I had to rewind it a couple of times, but that came at Savile Row when Patty walked in. Oh well. <laughs> Of course, yeah. Well, that was interesting, right? We get a bit of Patty coming so in. So maybe, maybe she is the sweet and lovely girl after all, because she seems to be back in the fold a couple of days later. But come on, you're missing it here. I can't believe you're missing your moment of this film, of this of this segment. My my moment? Yes. Here comes the Leslie. Oh, yes. No, I didn't. I'm just, <laughs> when I saw that thing rolling yeah. in, that your, comes at, your face flashed across the screen. Well, it arrived, at, according to my notes, at 57 minutes. I still have a bunch of things we have to talk to before that, you see, because you get the O'Darling, oh, you get the... Yeah. I mean, one of the things that got me uh, 
but there's so many in jokes and so many wonderful new displays of John Lennon's humor off the cuff. John, the yeah, way you absolutely. realize a lot of his routines are like Rodney Dangerfield jokes that we've yeah. heard them so many times. <laughs> oh, that's the one about yeah. you know. But there's so many new ones here. That this whole thing about, I think Ringo says, "I got it from Rosie," and then Lennon invents the story. Everybody got it from Rosie. Ringo is <laughs> rehearsal Rosie. We called her in them days or something. You know, it just. Where does it come from? And it's it's so the Rolling Stones he keeps referencing. Well, he, well, yeah. because they show the rock and roll gonna, circus. They're going to get him to re to do the intro of the Rolling Stones, and now that becomes a you know for, for the for the Rolling Stones rock and roll circus, another yeah. thing that doesn't come out for fifty years, and and um, so he's now he's rehearsing it. The bottles, yes, you know, which I always thought the bottles was pretty good, <laughs> all things considered. But this, yeah, there's just so much. What is this song? Song of Love. What the hell was that? I know. Right after Backseat of My Car. Well, you're seeing all these unknown song titles at the end, you know, now published. I mean, you know, it's got, you know, Lennon McCartney with, for a one-liner or something. But Woman was not credited to Bernard Webb. No. But, but McCartney alone. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of interesting. He so managed that. He managed that one. I had never known that that piano boogie thing that uh, Ringo and Paul did was a song. I thought they were just making it up. Well, maybe they were making it up on the spot. But yeah, they, but they, now it's got a title. <laughs> I bought a piano today. <laughs> Which I just, you know, and that also seemed to me to be they kind of know uh, we are being too depressed here. It's yeah. we got to we got to pump this up. It and it does it is a little bit of a moment of lightness, but a uh, uh, man, I am so happy when they get out of Twickenham. Yeah. I I've just, you know, it, it's it is really poignant to see the you know, the, the demo being made of Oh Darling and things are being taken down. Interesting to see also that they're still trying to set up the studio at Apple. You know, they've taken the weekend to do it. But once they get in there, Glyn Johns is still, you know, getting the sound right, the miking. Um, that's something, by the way. I've interviewed both, of you know, George Martin and Glyn Johns. And I don't think I ever asked either of them how did they interact as co-producers on this project? You know, what what is each actually doing? I mean, we see Glenn in there, he's doing the engineering because obviously Jeff Emmerich's off the scene right now. Um, but, you know, the co-production side of it, how are those two interacting? I think that constant references to multiple projects. You know, this is a package. We got a book. Yeah. So the guy doing the photography is off doing his own thing. Yeah. And we got an album, and we got a movie of some sort. Now it's a movie. I think they all lived in their own kingdoms. Mm. And I think Glenn, Glennis was looking after recording. I love it. We've now got it on film. John, I think a couple of times calling him Glennis. Oh, like <laughs> m multiple times. <laughs> Which I thought that was his name. <laughs> I didn't realize it. <laughs> It's just a it's just a thing. I, I really thought that the um before we blow past and say goodbye to um Twickenham, there was that one last great Lennon humor piece, which made me think, okay, ten minutes before he makes this joke about masturbation, he's kind of stoned looking on Canadian television. Now suddenly he wakes up and he's got this whole witty story about Yeah, you know, and at the end of it, of course, to get everybody to laugh, he says, and I can tell you it doesn't make you blind, but it does make you very short-sighted. Uh, yeah, oh, they're pissing themselves. <laughs> <all>. <laughs> Dead men still make you laugh. I mean, 
Colonel Tom Parker was criticized for one of the great cash-ins of all time on Cashbox Records, I think, which was like his private label. Mm. He took all these snippets of in-between Elvis singing on stage, you know, just telling yes, a joke or whatever. Yes, right. It's an album. He managed to <laughs> muster an album out of it. Elvis on stage it was or something. Having, ha- fun. having fun with yeah. Elvis on stage. Yeah. I sense a K-Tel record here, having fun with John Lennon at Twickenham and Savile Row, because you could take all of the jokes, and they're whole, he's so, so funny. And actually, when he says that, and just that sort of part there where they're all sitting around um, in Twickenham, it's it's brilliant because watch Paul, he's really laughing. He sort of puts his head down. You know, he's used to John. He knows the humour. He's got his own humour and they interact with it. But still, you see him cracking Paul up. You know, it's not that kind of laugh for the camera. No. It's He's really tickled by it. No, it, it was great. It was great to, uh, as I say, how they dealt with uh, with Magic Alex, I, I thought was, was very interesting. I think Alex actually comes off pretty easy in this. They don't really go into the details of the... No, but bringing in that guitar... There's a subtle way to do it. It's absolutely. And there's another time as well, I can't remember, but they... With the slide guitar. They go, oh, maybe maybe Alex can put a few more things on this. You know, there's... He's finally... You see he's jumped the proverbial shark. (laughs) I I really love when we switch to Savile Row. Uh, There's something about that vivid green carpet. And you'll notice... The guys all start dressing with green shirts, and the green and black of <laughs> Apple is come is creeping yeah. in, and the mood is re- rising. I love that rapidly. big oak door or whatever it's made out of it inside. You know, it's fantastic. Which seems to be gone now. I, I don't know yeah. if you saw that thing online that they took you around to where all the right. locations that yeah. still exist, and yeah. it's just like a warehouse now. That's right. You know, they've knocked out. You know, for uh, Abercrombie yeah. and Fitch in, and in the basement. Another highlight once we get to Savile Row. The reading and mocking of Michael Housko's Daily Sketch article. You know, um, oh, the one in the, it's like the fake news about them having a punch up and all a- that. Absolutely. And it definitely irks them. Yeah, exactly what you said. You know, the fact that it's, he asserts that there were punches, you know, traded between John and George. And John confirms that that's never happened within the group. I think he says, aside from Hamburg. Well, another cool thing about that is, do you notice the voice Paul is using? Well, it's a sort of upper crust voice. Which... He uses it a couple of years later. We're so sorry. Oh, right. Uncle Albert. Oh, but Uncle we Al- haven't yeah. done a bloody thing all day. Yes. You know, that. Yeah. that's that voice. I'm like, wow, that must be, is that one of, you know, Paul does voices. You know, yeah. He's doing his, I mean, obviously there's a version of two of us where they go back to John's aunt's place in Scotland. Yes. <laughs> Which that carries into it in 64 when they're out in Los Angeles on the first summer tour and they're doing that thing with Jack Wagner, the DJ, and, they're, and they start going into Scottish voices, the, just yeah. the two of them. Yeah. And you can tell that as that song, I love that they put that in. I know I'm jumping around. Yes, yeah. But I love that they it slowly goes into, okay, I'm going to up the Scots accent. No, I'm yeah. going to up the Scots. You know, it's so cute. It I is. mean, I hate to say anything is cute in this movie, but that is cute. And when they get to Savile Row, as I'd hoped, and it even in Let It Be, it's the same. The mood lifts immeasurably. They've kind of got their act together. John is now totally engaged. Um, you know, musically, comedically, you name it. You know, he's really in it. And when George comes in, he's also into it. You know, they've obviously settled the differences for now. 
There's and a little more respect coming George's way. Do you notice? George the, is starting to make suggestions to Paul, and Paul is listening. Yeah, Paul is still saying how he wants his songs, though. And I'm sort of, you know, I'm watching that yeah, thinking. nervous. Uh, yeah, exactly. Nervous how their story might end. Yeah. I mean, it's, like I say, the great thing about this and the biggest challenge for a guy, I think, like Peter Jackson, is we all think we know this story. Yeah. And we know a part of that story. But to make us doubt what's really going on from day to day while watching this massive project, that's a great skill. Yeah. And, and it's not easy to do. And mm. especially with all of the technical issues that must have taken up his time, mm. you know, to just get this film to look like something. But, you know, we have so much footage here that we do get the story. You know, I love we see them at first in their own studio and it's still being set up. And, OK, Glenn's working on the sound. <clears throat> They're still putting the panels on the wall. You know? yep. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, that's just... Uh, a part of the story that you wouldn't even think that you'd get to see. No, the first hour of this thing is amazing because we we only get to app uh, to Savile Row at about an hour in because I, I made a note here that at seventy minutes, is there a full take of Madman? It sounded pretty damn good. Mm, and I'm like, yeah. gee, I'd, I'd if they ever do put out that KTEL album, that's yeah. got a shortlist, that one. Yeah. And, and uh, of course, the, it, it was a throwaway line, but it made me laugh so much that I had to um, mention it. Right before Madman, uh, Lennon references a song called Across My Underpants. Yes. <laughs> Another line of Lennon's is they're talking, which is, this is great. Again, you see context that Peter Jackson's provided for us. Whereas Billy Preston just shows up unannounced in Let It Be. Here, we have them actually saying, we need a keyboard player here. You know, someone's going to have to do that. And instead of, you know, we're not going to do overdubs, we want it all live, so we need someone in. So there's, you know, the context, and I love it. they got the electric piano. And John says, if Beethoven was alive today, he'd have a deaf aid and an electric piano. <laughs> he probably would. <laughs> but the funny thing about that is... As soon as I saw Billy come in and sit down, uh, Jackson did a great job of catching just the right shots of how every single member of the band lit up in their own little way. Yes. And it reminded me of in Eight Days a Week when McCartney says, you know, that first time Ringo sat in behind us and kicked in, and I'm like, that's it. That's the sound. You know, and you could feel the same thing. As soon yeah. as, you know, Billy, what Billy added, what I realized is an element of soul. You oh, know, yeah. They, I, mean, I agree. Which which was very au courant. Yes. You know, a little bit of cultural appropriation was yeah. going on, whether that was Joe Cocker or anybody else. Yeah. But what the Beatles were lacking in these song structures was this funky little bit of soul, and they all start playing looser. Yeah. They're like, they're watching Billy, and they're trusting Billy, and nobody, including Macca, says a damn thing to right. Billy. You, you right. play whatever the hell you want. Yeah, that's 22nd of January, 69. And that's the day that everything starts kicking into gear. You know, they mention at the beginning, before we see Billy, that they're going to be doing a concert now on Primrose Hill in a week's time. Primrose Hill's a part of northwest London, very close to Hampstead, not far from St. John's Wood, Abbey Road. Um, so that's one thing. We also have, instead of Linda taking photos, we have Ethan Russell in there. Yeah. And we're seeing some of the results of his efforts. 
George, talking about as they're decorating the studio, says we should make a montage of all our gold discs on the wall, to which John says if you can get them off Mimi's wall. <laughs> oh, is that who he said? I, did, I didn't pick up if it was Mimi. Yeah. Was, I knew it was somebody's wall. Yeah. I thought it was, you know, going to be, you know, another sort but, of swipe. But here's the thing. I always thought that it was George who asked Billy to come along. I did too. Right here, the, certainly the inference is that Billy drops by. He's in London. To do Lulu. Yeah. And he, well, you may want to rephrase that. <laughs> um. Get your mind out of the gutter. Um, but yeah, so he drops by and it's John who invites him to play on the album. Yeah. You know, George is just sort of sitting there looking quite happy about it. He does more than that. He invites him to join the band. Yeah. Well, uh, in a bit. They also, I love this, they play a, t- a taste of honey for him as he used to request it all the time in Hamburg. And, which is a great story. Yeah. It's like, you're going to have to watch this 20 times. Yeah. You I know, know. Literally, it's, there's so many things. Like we're writing down our first impressions yeah. and, and doing this as quickly as possible. Not, I don't want any of your production and overdubs on this one. Oh, Oscar. right. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, All that okay. crap that yeah. you usually do. Yeah, so yeah. I just wanted this one real natural, us in a room together making this show. Exactly. And- That's what we're doing. We're doing it live here, the two of us, as nature intended. Exactly, as yep. nature intended. And so- it's, it's a new phase. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Beatles Naked absolutely. podcast, yeah. It's just, and you know, I, I know we had a little bit of hype on the first, but you know, mm. now we got a little yeah. bit of hype. Anyway, so uh, well, so Billy actually, before John says much more, Billy just joins them on. I've got a feeling, and it is it's that moment when things start to gel. Everyone's looking at each other. You know, this is good. You know, Billy comes in with his keyboards, and it's fantastic. Is more energy. They're all upbeat, and. It's John who says, yeah, you're in the group. He actually says that. You're in the group. Now, just a, a note for people what, uh, listening to us now. That happens around two hours in. Yeah. So you are you are being browbeaten with cool stuff for two freaking hours. And then you see John inviting Billy. Another little subtle thing. Did you catch George's little bit of, of psychic premonition at that moment? Go on. He He agrees with John and he says... Hell, we should we should invite Dylan to join. Yes, that's right. And then he says it could be like the Sergeant Pepper band. And, and, yeah. and so, what do you get? The Wilburys. He's predicting the Wilburys, <laughs> and that's exactly. I mean, I thought that was like wow. Yeah. You, you know, I'm sure when Jackson saw that, he, he just you know big circle around that. That's in. When they do, don't let me down with Billy. That's the first track that really everything starts to come together for me. You know, they're, they're really beginning to gel. The t- sound is tighter, and it's also fuller. And it's resolved that space that, that McCartney was, you know, clumsily trying to get George to understand. It's like George is now relaxed and playing a, a groove because yeah. he's letting Billy's, Billy's soul lead coming in there, you know, echoing the phrases, answering the phrases as they're sung. I think that that's, that was so... You know, you've, you know, it's what we've heard all our lives, so that's why we thought it sounds right. It also, having the, the visuals, was really helpful when they're doing the rock and roll oldies. I, actually, at Twickenham and at Savile Row, because there was that one day at Twickenham where they achieved nothing and they were just doing some oldies. But certainly at Savile Row, when they're performing the oldies, it's just like to fill in between tracks. You know, they're just warming up, they're just grooving yeah. a bit. And so that whole thing of, oh, my God, you know, there was no direction and just churning out these oldies, 
that really isn't the story. No, he, and it, mm. I, I think also, not to, uh, I didn't mean to step on you there, but uh, speaking of the oldies, I keep seeing the roots of future albums, you know, whether that's Backseat of My Car or in John's case, it's the first time I've ever seen him do Stand By Me. Yes. Which is, you know, he he's going to be doing this five years later or yeah, six years later. Yeah, as a single. So, and, and the other thing that surprises me is how much of Abbey Road they're doing. Yes, I know. It's like the whole album. Well, there was a lot even at Twickenham as well that Paul Yeah, there was. I, I, just to see, you know, Mean Mr. Mustard and all of these other things that they're obviously, you know, in a, an arrangement of Her Majesty. Um, as you know, the aforementioned, and mercifully, we didn't have to go through ten million versions of Maxwell's Silver Hammer. Right. But but basically, you've got the vast majority of the album. Um, I don't know. I you know we didn't see in this film. We don't see Octopus's Garden the way we did in Let It Be. Right. No, we He's don't. He's left that one out. He's left it out. But that was also on the table. Yeah. And and so it, it's interesting. It's. Obviously, as soon as these sessions break down, the next thing they record in a month is "I Want You, She's So Heavy." Yeah. So it it it's kind of interesting. I never ever ever thought of, you know, everybody thinks about Rubber Soul and Revolver as being you know parts one and two. This is really part, you know, Abbey Road and Let It Be really are parts one and two. Yeah, they are more than they ever were. I thought. Yeah, John mentions that this will be the Beatles' third movie. They're gonna, and he says we can use some of the Twickenham footage, record half of the album at Apple and the rest Primrose Hill. But the gem at the end of January 22nd comes when we hear Peter Brown say Alan Klein is flying in on Friday and John asks him to set up a meeting for the Monday night. You know, previously we had had Paul mention that they needed someone to kind of organize things. Yeah, he does. Um, it's very early on in this episode. He said, you know, we're, we're looking for a daddy thing. So, you know, wasn't the story that the, the others didn't even know that he was meeting with Klein or I'm I not remember. sure. I remember. The thing yeah. that would have attracted Lennon, from what I remember, is the idea that the Stones had just negotiated a new contract yeah. and got a hell of a lot more, more money per record than the Beatles. Yeah. And uh, you can see earlier in the episode one where... They're not so happy with Dick James anymore, and that's going to escalate. Yeah, you saw it yes. actually as far back as the '68 promo film done a yeah. year, you know, or eight months. Oh, earlier. that's horrible. Yeah, they're yeah. they're they're not happy with him. They're looking for a way out. Yeah. So, the 23rd of January, another sort of just gold mine for us starts with a Yoko freakout jam. You got John getting feedback and Paul playing the drums, enjoying himself on the drums. And that's juxtaposed with George arriving and John saying, you missed it. Yeah. Right. But we know from, you know, the previous discussions, the, the one at Twickenham when George had walked out that, you know, there was, it's, again, it's inferred there the tension of having Yoko there. You know, Paul sort of saying, look, it's fine. So obviously the fact that he's mentioning that means it wasn't so fine with George. So I love the, the way that it sort of, you know, cut here with George arriving just after the jam, which is kind of convenient. And I should mention here, even though it comes later on, again, we actually get to see a plate of George's chocolate digestive biscuits. 
<laughs> I was thinking that wasn't lost on me. It's like oh, she had she was the bearer of bad vibes, no less. Oh, of course, yes, yeah. According to Dylan, he'd, yeah, he'd heard it in New York. That's right. But um, we see Ringo sneaking, you know, and, and taking one of the one see, of and George's Yoko took the fall. Yeah, exactly. Mm, very <laughs> well. Like I say, there's so many, so many, so many treats in here, and seeing Polythene Pam and Her Majesty and Teddy Boy and Maggie May, a different version of Maggie May, which yep. was quite nice. Yes, it was. You know, George Martin says you're working so well together now. Keep it going, and we also have them performing Twenty Flight Rock, which is the song that Paul first impressed John with. You know, back in '57 at the Walton Fate. Yeah, I, it's a lot of that. So it's the getting the the get back philosophy, the DNA of this idea of getting back to roots is it, and it's starting to to trigger memories. Yeah, because other crazy songs come up like "Fancy Me Chances with You," which yes. I didn't. I thought that was a traditional. I didn't know that was a Lennon and McCartney. I, I I've heard reference to it before. But and I think it's on one of the bootlegs, you know. Right. I mean, I it's really tough to listen to all eighty nine CDs of that. But I do remember Fancy Much. I just never knew it was one of theirs. But I there's a couple of other really cool moments for me. And uh, at about uh, well, I liked the oh yes, a, a note at uh, two hours and thirteen minutes, the funky version of Dig It. Where, yeah. You know that right. that had promise. Uh, it's, Kind of too bad they didn't. I know they kind of use it as a segue track in the yeah. album. Yeah. But I, I really, I really liked that. But uh, for all of you uh, tech heads out there, a really special moment for me, and also one that opens up a can of interesting worms. Uh, right after that funky version, very soon after, Ringo is walking around with a Sony video camera. Yes. And it's a porta pack. I actually still have one right in the next room, both the camera and the the deck. It was the my guess is, is that was a Sony 3400, which uh, it only took the five inch, half inch thick reels, but they were like five inches in diameter. Right. And uh, it was a very curious machine because the the take up reel and the play reel were on two different levels, so it kind of had to kind of come down on an angle to the take up reel, and uh, it was really fascinating. But you'll notice he also had his mic uh, mounted. And this would have been a black and white video camera, yeah. similar to what they did, they used at Woodstock. Like, yeah. if you know, there's Woodstock video as opposed to the film. Same type of machine. So what I'm wondering is, is does it still exist? Mm. What did Ringo video? You know, is it possible somewhere that yeah. maybe that it didn't get lost in the fire in Los Angeles in 76? Is that, gee, there might yeah. actually be, if we ever talk to Peter... That's going to be a question. Peter, did you not? I know Ringo's memory is not the best, especially about details like that. Yeah. But that really got me. I like it. We get to see Paul saying, you know, that maybe Get Back shouldn't be a protest song. We've got a couple of other verses we can retain, you know. And so then we see them arranging the song and bringing it to fruition after George mentions the break on I'll Be There. So, you know, really great just to see how they're interacting. Well, and he's paying attention now, George. Yeah. George, obviously, at, at a certain point, you can tell he likes Get Back, and he's starting to make certain yeah. you know, decisions and suggestions which are being taken. George Martin says to Paul, what are you calling this song, Paul? You know, referring to Get Back, Paul says, shit. Shit, take one. <laughs> I, I missed that. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, the bit that you said before about um, Sergeant Pepper and all that stuff, it starts with George laughing, those tours where we'd miss out half the song. 
And then they refer to Sweden with Jimmy Nichols. So they're well, conflating. they mean Copen. They mean yeah. Copen. yeah, absolutely. And they recall him eyeing up the screaming girls from the, the drum rostrum. That that would distract him, and he'd come in late at the start of well, one of the Well, he'd come in on two. He'd, he'd only count in on one, two. <laughs> and he's like, ah. Yeah. And then it's really fun, actually, watching them vamp on help. They all look like they're having a really good time, George included. Oh, yeah, that montage, they're making fun of themselves playing standing up. Yeah. And how awkward. There's also talk of signing Billy to Apple. They can get him off of Capitol Records. Well, yeah. But the bit I like is, as you said, they're always, you know, watching the pennies. They can pay him the session musician rate. And, And so John says, I'd like a fifth Beatle. Yes, and that is where, you know, they start talking. Yeah, George says, if I asked Dylan to join, he would. And, and that's right. And when he says, you know, it could be like Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, Paul says it's bad enough with four. Yes, I did. That was a great comment. And that stuff, as I say, that all happens right around two hours. Um, yeah. Which and, and it's a, it's been a busy two hours at that point. Right. Michael Lindsay Hogg ends up saying, I don't know what story I'm telling anymore. And Ringo just says the autobiography of the Beatles. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really hard for a filmmaker because they have to justify continuing to roll film. And let's we just discussed yeah. that, you know, we're watching the pennies where we have to, especially with Alan Klein coming in. I love seeing the footage. You know, we heard the audio before, but the footage of Teddy Boy with John turning it into a dosey do Yeah, and, and that's another one of those things that I've heard in my... I've seen a movie in my head for a million years. Yeah. It's a different movie now. Yeah. Then after Fancy My Chances With You from the Quarrymen days, we reach an absolutely magic moment. India. Yes, well, that was 25th of January. Um, A little bit of that has been out before. Yes. There was a reference in Anthology, and then there's uh, a couple of bootlegs that had the continuation of of what Paul was talking about in black and white. You know, one of those black and white crappy uh, dubs. But to see the whole thing kind of as I was hoping, which is that Paul's referencing film and that they start showing the film. Yeah, I actually didn't even think about that coming up, you know. Oh, that was, we talked about it before yeah. in the show. Like, I was hoping they would do flashbacks because he's describing things and if he still had the film. Interestingly enough, so some of that stuff I had never seen, you know, the, the individual heads and stuff. Because uh, Paul was a bit of a keen filmmaker. Mm. You know, he made, you know, home movies, you know, there's, there's a one no one's ever seen of Jane Asher he made in 67. No, it's not that. No, I know what you're thinking. I got that look I on your face. I wasn't thinking. No, no. Not no. that kind of movie. You know, she's walking around out in the grass and it's double exposure. It's a very psychedelic mm. type of thing. And I could see some of the same mm. shot uh, philosophies and framing yeah. up. But there is some footage in there, like the helicopter stuff. Right. That... Uh, is in another archive that was the reason that doesn't look as good as Paul's stuff yeah. is that comes from another archive that um, the Maharishi was making a documentary and some of that footage ended up in this you know you can license it and that helicopter those helicopter shots came from that archive right um, I mean I loved the close-ups in India of Cynthia Jane Patty Donovan Mike Love with Patty and Jane yeah, uh, you know it's home movie time, and it's just it gives context again, right? That we don't get in Let It Be. I mean, there's some context in Let It Be. Obviously, he's talking about it, but in Let It Be again, for me, it was another kind of embarrassing moment where it looks like Paul's just dominating. 
you know, he's he's talking and he's trying to motivate the others and jolly them up a bit. You know, that's that's how it comes over to me, at least. Whereas here you see it's a genuine group conversation. You know, it's it, it not gets much it's more. not Paul leading the conversation, actually. No, you're starting to see George completely warm up to the project. He's smiling. He's enjoying. He's mo- he's moving with animation. I did write myself a note that uh, George invented Uggs at a certain point because I don't know, he <laughs> yes. saw those funky yeah. boots he was yeah. wearing. Yeah. Um, and uh, I love I, it I, when they mention the Maharishi and John says, I wouldn't mind having his money. <laughs> <laughs> and also, what about the footage of the two monkeys getting it on accompanied to an outtake of Why Don't We Do It In The Road? I thought that was a great choice, but I can tell you having been in Rishikesh, you just stand around Rishi Kesh for about five minutes and you just start seeing that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember you saying that. Yeah, you, there's monkeys, yeah. monkeys everywhere, and yeah. they're they're doing all kinds of stuff. <laughs> they throw things at you. <laughs> they try to steal things from you. They're very... Well, here we get some really good graphic footage. Of... I, I'm, you know, suddenly the Disney Channel became the History Channel yeah. or, the, or Wildlife or whatever. You know, I'm sure... You know, old Walt would be uh, would be turning over in his urn right now. So, uh, but but we can't. Well, actually, I thought in his cryogenic. Yeah, uh, well, capsule. he is. Yeah, uh, he, well, that's true. Uh, Disney on Ice. Yeah, oh, that was, very, it was one of those. Very yeah. good. Yeah, but that's where that came from. Uh, one thing before we lose it, because they keep throwing in these beautiful teasers of songs. Hmm. How about the throwaway of Bye Bye Love? I was just going to say that. The Nurk twins doing Don and Phil. How did that not make an album? I mean, yeah. come on, that was I know. beautiful. I, I was really surprised that wasn't in the Glyn Johns mix. And I don't remember it on the bootlegs. It not it did sure as hell didn't sound like that. Another sort of small criticism I've got is where music is superimposed over footage of them laughing and joking in the control room. I would have preferred to hear the actual dialogue. I wonder if it's dialogue they couldn't restore or they just felt it was too arbit you know not dealing with anything in the story. Mm. Did you catch the whole thing of the running order of the album? I didn't. Oh, this was fascinating. So there's a, a moment where they're going over the song Yeah, titles. I do remember them going over the songs. I don't remember them giving an actual running order. Here's the running order, okay? All I Want Is You, Long and Winding Road, Bathroom Window, Let It Be, Across the Universe, Get Back, Two of Us, Silver Hammer, I've Got a Feeling, Sunrise, mm-hmm. which is All Things Must Pass, and I, Me, Mine. Definitely, these are the songs, at the very least, because yeah. what you've got is seven Maccas, two Johns, and two Georges. That's never going to fly. And um, But I found it interesting 
there's a playlist, folks, you can put together for yourself at home. What an what a album that would be! How yeah. interesting of an album! Yeah. When we have all these different little, we have so many gifts from this series. There's a little thing down the road to do for yourself. So, wow, I wonder what that album would have sounded like. Peter, if you're listening to our um, our our podcast today, do you suppose you could twist Apple's arm and that that could be an interesting bonus down the line of some sort? Nice to see a fair bit of for you blue as it appears on the Let It Be album. Yes, and very interesting statement by George right at that moment where he says, and you can see he's happier. He says, you know, after doing this for a month, I feel my fingers are getting loose. And you can tell he is playing better. He's not so stiff. Look back at Twickenham and how he's kind of very wooden. Yeah. You know, so. So then, again, a, a slight gap in the story. We just, we're just informed that the whole Primrose Hill concert idea is off. No explanation why. And no TV show. It's now going to be a film. So we don't really, you know, get any background on that. But what is fascinating is they talk about it being shot on 16 millimeter. Yes. And George su- suggests it being blown up to 35. If they don't take it, he says, they're fucking fools. Well, and, 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 and Paul says, unless we've got incredible quality on this, 16 going to 35 is a mess. George says, no, it's not. And, and Michael Lindsay Hogg says it will blow up all right. If you use the right stock. And yeah. he's correct about that. Now, there's discussion of if you use the right stock or not, too. And, and what became apparent to me when I saw Let It Be and all of these prints that they used to make home videos and stuff, they didn't really use the right stock. And it, it looks murky. It looks dirty. That could be because also in those days... People were so desperate. I mean, televisions didn't nearly have, did not have nearly the resolution that they do now, and you wouldn't necessarily see some of these imperfections on early VHS. You sure as hell would now. Mm. But um, yeah, I I don't. I think that they're right under certain circumstances. Certainly, I think Woodstock looks pretty good, and Woodstock is a film that was shot in sixteen and blown up to thirty five. It just something went right. wrong in the lab work that, yeah. from what I could see. But it's just interesting. We've now got them on film, you know, actually discussing that moment about blowing up the 16 to 35. There's just an endless supply of things to watch, rewatch, think about. This really is this running history. I was a little bit concerned about the three hour length. It's gone by really quick. Yeah. It, as I said, it does lag at certain points, you know, for, but I'm. You know, I'm hearing some reviews already for, you know, the first part and some, you know, I think The Guardian said that, you know, it drags and stuff like that. I could care less. I mean, you know, quite honestly, at this point, I'm not going to worry about the general public. This is for us. It is for us. And yeah, if they don't like it, that's okay. Exactly. I have a a feeling, you you had mentioned this uh, earlier, that maybe there would be a 100-minute version for the general public. And maybe that's what happens. This was... uh, this was a gift to us finally. This is this is the most fan-centric thing I've seen out of the Beatles since anthology. Yeah. You know, most it's the most honest and the most uh beautifully put together that I've seen. We also get to so, you know see more of the decision making um about it, that leads to going to the roof. Paul just says, "I'd like to have fun with it. Do something for the finish, a change of scene." live show do it on stage light a rocket to really take off for the end of it 
And then we see this footage where they claim it's actually Michael, Lindsay Hogg and Glenn Johns suggesting a much more convenient location to Paul. And they sort of goes into slight slow motion there to show Paul considering that idea. And next week, you know, we then see Paul and Mal dragging MLH onto the rooftop, which is really funny. Yeah, and looks so, you know, I'm somebody who's not real comfortable with heights, so I was kind of like, ah. Yeah. But obviously they're testing out. That one he's being dragged up onto is not the one they played on. I mean, they played down lower. I mean, that's obviously too high. There's no barrier or whatever. I mean, they, they chose the right level, I guess, of roof. There is a quick discussion about, well, can we go on that other roof over there? And somebody says, no, that'd be, you know, we don't have... We don't have the lease yeah. on that building. Also really interesting, I think as in anthology, you know, Paul and Ringo just sort of saying, yeah, I kind of hope we were hoping that, you know, the police, you know, would maybe arrest us, whatever. Here, they actually, they're well aware when they go up to inspect the roof that disturbing the peace will make the cop shut it down. So that was a contrivance. They actually... It wasn't just like once they were up there, they were hoping it. They were hoping that from the start. Well, Paul foreshadowed that in the first episode when he said, wouldn't it be great if the end of the movie is we're still trying to play and they're pulling us away? Yes, yes. And so that's kind of, yeah. that was the way to get it done. And yeah. Yeah, all right, just let us get to 42 minutes. Okay, Mal, let him through. Yeah. In a way, it's a shame they didn't actually have someone like Mal say to the cops, okay, come in now and shut it or arrest, or do something. You, you know? know what, I'll bet you... I was proceeding in a northeasterly direction. I, I don't think the cops in those days were loose enough. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, that sounds like fun. We'll do that. I think, I think that that just wouldn't fly with them. So I, you know, there's enough of attention. So I, I think, I think Paul got his. Maybe that was a premonition. Maybe that, yeah. like I say, with Paul, it's so weird. There's these times that he'll come out with these statements about the future, and nine out of ten times they happen. Yeah, it's really weird. Do you notice there was a part where George says? You know, his playing is basically getting better because he's playing much more regularly. Yeah, right I now. just mentioned that about that thing about his fingers getting loose. Yes. He says, you know, I've been, we've been playing every day for a month. And, and that is, I think, also where Paul, you know, brings out the discussion. Then why should we just, you know, here we're all warmed up. We got it going. We should do something with it. Yeah. Why, why go back into, as he says, you'll, you two will be in a black bag on stage someplace, yeah. <laughs> you know, pointing yeah. at John and Yoko. Yeah. I mean, so they kind of know. It's very interesting. Very, very interesting. It's the, so amazing that so much great footage of them really having fun was just not put in that movie. Or having real discussions about yeah. their future or, yeah. you know, it, 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 like I say, if it was consciously a breakup movie, I would have thought they would have had all of these things about divorce and everything else that we never saw. We saw that one little tiny argument. Yes, yes, And And exactly. it actually, in, as you said, in context, they blew it way out of proportion. Yeah, they did. They really did. Um, another 11 out of 10 for me, this one. I mean, the gems I might here. have bumped this one up to 12. Well, maybe a 12. Yeah, you're right. I think this one has so much. I'll go so 13. Much. All right. <laughs> well, 13 will get you 20, they used to say. <laughs> Lennon might have said in but, part of this. But yeah, the, the gems in there, I mean, again, this is just going to be so many multiple rewatchings. I think for the rest of our lives, you know. And yeah. uh, I sure hope that the, the Disney policy thing is not true. Apple, as far as I knew, they paid for this thing. Hmm. So um, I'm sure that Disney, you know, distributed it as a partner and the profits and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, but I don't, I'd be very surprised 
if they didn't take advantage of this. And it's interesting to hear Peter Jackson talking about it and saying, you know, he really hopes, hint, 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 that they remaster and let him help restore the original Let It Be. Yeah. Because he goes, gee, now you've watched this whole series. I want to go see the movie they made. Yes. And he has seen it, of course. Yes. But in a sense, we haven't seen it. That, to me, is the hint. Yeah. Do the original director's cut and show and then then it's new for everybody and totally vindicates whatever Michael Lindsay Hogg really had as a vision if they restore the three and a half hour version you got it yeah you know and it's time maybe for the Beatles camp to be brave and say yeah you know what this mm. stuff is art it's really culturally important it's historically important let's see the director's cut restore we want all 56 hours as well well I and have... we want the multi tracks of everything they ever recorded so that we can mix them well there's a way to do that. I mean, you could have a subscription service. It, you know, it wouldn't be forced upon the public. You just say, hey, you want it? It's going to cost you this. It comes in installments. You know, the Who did it with... You could buy the entire... Every show soundboard of the Who's 2007 yeah. tour. It wasn't a bootleg. It was a sanctioned thing. And they sold X amount of them. Okay, done. It kills bootlegging. Totally. Because you want the real thing that sounds the best. It doesn't, it's not rocket science, you mm. know? And, and the idea that, oh, only polished product, I mean, that went out the window with the Watusi. It's, yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. No, this, nothing is going to harm the Beatles' reputation. I agree. So, so two down. Two down. One um, to go. Know. So, Richard, same time tomorrow. Same time, same bat channel. Getting nowhere Production by Richard Buskin. Theme music by Craig Bartow. What could it be?
feet, Paul, something in the way she hmm? moves. What attracted me at all? Just say whatever comes in the head each time. Attracts me like a cauliflower until you get the word. Yeah, yeah but I've been through this one, like, for about six months. Attracts me like a pomegranate. <laughs> we could have that. Attracts me like a pomegranate. Something in the way she moves. Attracts me like a moth to candles. Something in the way she moves. Love me too. Well, yeah. yeah, that's true. Okay.